0: By greeting the guest warmly and holding brief conversations as you serve them, you say to our guests, we're glad you're here. Let's take a closer look at greeting guests. Every conversation you hold with a guest should begin something like this. Good evening. Or, hi, how are you? Once you've greeted the guest, start a brief conversation. Try asking a question the guest can answer in a sentence or two. You might ask something like this. Did you know Jesus was Jewish? Or this. Did you know they all died in the plane crash on Lost? Or this. Have you tried the lasagna here? It's my favorite. Don't forget to hold quick conversations with our younger guests, too. Children often play a big part in deciding which restaurant their parents visit. We want them to feel welcome and special here, too. So start conversations with children by saying something like
1: this. Ever notice how sharp this knife is? Or this. Pigs are actually very close to human intelligence and emotion. Or this. Did you know you were conceived in
0: the dishwashing station? Exactly what size of slice you will serve will be a judgment call on your part unless this makes a special request. We don't limit the can have. We do, however, manage it to reduce waste. Sometimes, guests will tell you exactly what size of cut or number of pieces they want. Other guests will ask you to carve a slice thicker than our usual dime width. These guests all feel they're getting more when getting a thicker cut. Actually, the thin cut ensures them a tender piece of meat, which is why we carve dime thicknesses. If a guest
1: asks you, "Like a half-inch slice of that roast beef, please?" Say something like this. "Ma'am, when I came to this country, a slice of pork like this was considered a rare holiday feast." I have seen you eat enough of this pork to feed everyone in my old village for a month. Perhaps instead of continuing to gorge yourself on this salted juicy meat, you can take a few minutes to let your last portion settle in your stomach. Frankly, I'm embarrassed for your children that you have normalized such gluttonous behavior. It's this flatant disregard for personal health and discipline that makes the country slip farther and farther behind China as a world power. However, if you insist, it is indeed Old Country Buffet's policy to allow you to consume as much as you'd like. So, with reservations, I will indeed slice off another portion for you. Okay. No matter what the topic of your
0: conversation has been or what size slice you've served, you will end each guest contact with the same phrase. Mandatory handwashing is slavery.
1: It is episode 10 of Lower Your Expectation, and I guess the first thing I need to talk about to my audience is, uh, is this like a fucking joke to you? Um, am I uh, just, just here to amuse you with my stupidity? I've got about 18 listens this week. Um, I'm slowly losing, if you look at the graph of listeners, I got a lot of... of uh, a lot of pity listens in the beginning episodes and surprisingly the, the how to be poor episode is like is very very popular um, but otherwise i feel like you guys think that this is a fucking game because i keep on making these episodes and you bitches are listening to them you're not you're just you're just letting me just talk into this microphone like a fucking crazy person every week <sighs> i don't know what to do I really don't want to go on YouTube and start shilling it on there because it goes against what I believe in. I also, I think I'm starting to get a little, and this this is a problem that happens to me a lot in my life. I'm starting to get a little too um, attached to my morals and uh, overall um, ethics to certain scenarios. I need to start selling this bad boy out immediately. Um, So I need to find... Some, like, women who I can, you know, trade uh, Instagram photos for them to, like, get half naked on camera so I can have tons and tons of views. That's pretty dark. Let's go away from that. (laughs) So, you know, I'm about a few steps from just doing pornography at this point. If you guys can't do the decency of just listening to my damn show every week. And telling your friends about it, uh you only have to listen to like the first like like twenty minutes of them, and then I get the uh analytic data necessary to show that uh you know things have been are being watched. but it's funny because the last episode I talked about how I was so proud that I made it um past eight to number nine, and number nine was so good, guys, this one's like a punishment this one is like a fucking punishment for you <laughs> because I worked my ass off in the last episode. And you motherfuckers gave it 12 listens, 12 listens. I make a birthday for funny episode. That's like totally meaningless. Doesn't even have a description. And you guys listen to that 48 times. But my epic Beatles story, where I risked uh, my entire show by playing copyrighted music, where I even spent the last bit of it, like not even advertising my own show as a sign of respect to the arts. I even got a fucking extra actor to work on this and 12 listens that that's all you guys could give me 12 fucking listens. I guess it's not your fault. I guess it's I guess it's mostly my fault. And uh you know, kind of figuring out what I want to do with this. Um I had three ways to go about this episode. Uh and I will uh, of course because I'm running out of content use these for fe- for future episodes, but um I've wanted to do one about Stephen Crowder and sort of right-wing uh can like commentators who've kind of gone too far and are just stupid and lame. Um that one's just kind of a little too mean and uh, not not so funny, so I was like,, eh, I'm gonna save that for later uh then I also wanna do one about the difference between fame and respect, which is a much more um serious issue uh something I've been inspired by mostly because of the scary statistics of children getting involved in into uh, YouTube or you know how the audience for YouTube is shockingly young. Um, You know, like under the age of 12 and how uh, the most popular, uh, most popular profession right now among 8 to 12 year olds is a YouTuber, which is kind of crazy. And I made um, on Facebook, I made a post about this and I compared it to what would happen if uh suddenly all of the kids in in the United States wanted to become a McDonald's worker, like what if they had an app on their phone or something that just praised the McDonald's worker, all glory to those who work for McDonald's, be a mcDonald'ser uh and every single kid wanted to do that. I think there would be a ridiculous outrage. I think that like there would be a lot uh more attention than someone like Google, you know if it was McDonald's. And that's what started getting me to think about what I am going to talk about for this uh, for this episode, which is the bad rap that McDonald's gets for kind of no reason. Um, You know, if you look at it, obviously, from a health point of view, you know, the super size was like the worst thing they did. Okay, that is their huge, like fucking dark history and past is they made a fucking bigger fry because of that. They have been kind of in a constant, constant fight against their image. Um, there's a lot of statistics that show like a uh, 25% of millennials like never have McDonald's, like won't even like consider it, have never even tried it. Um, and you compare that to like uh, oh, older generations, it's like 8% or so. And uh, just a fair, um, disclaimer on this, I do own one stock of McDonald's. <laughs> I'm not like a Gordon Gecko stock trader, so I can have like one stock of a few things. And one that I haven't sold yet actually is McDonald's because I think no matter how bad things get, you know, people are going to want an egg McMuffin or a hamburger, <laughs> like, uh, also cause there, there's a real estate company. If you happen to watch the film, the founder, or if you know anything about uh mcdonald's corporate history which uh why would you it's kind of ridiculous thing to know about but i'm those i'm those kind of guys who once i hear about something i want to know the whole story but a lot of uh mcdonald's value is simply real estate uh they own the land underneath the stores they rent that to the store operators as part of the franchise so no matter what so even if like hamburgers like become like the, like the worst consumer product ever and are totally out of date. Uh, they still have that real estate <laughs> behind it. So I think it's kind of a good investment to have something really fun too about, um, investing in companies like with their stocks, even if you don't have a lot of it is because I have one share at McDonald's, I actually have the right to listen to, uh, their, uh, their earnings calls and, uh, get like, documentation about their earnings and stuff, which is like super fun. I always want to like clue. I always want to like chime in and uh, while everyone else is like talking about, you know, like revenues and like turnover and demographic shifts, I want to be like, hey, you know what guys, we need a double bacon cheeseburger. This is my biggest complaint against this company. Like, what the hell are you thinking in the year 2020 to not have a bacon cheeseburger? Americans want to have it all. Americans want bacon, pork, they want dairy, and they want beef. And they want it all in one sandwich. Every other fast food joint profits tremendously off of their bacon cheeseburger selections. It took took McDonald's like 10 years to finally even offer it as an option to throw some bacon on that bad boy. I know people who've taken McDonald's burgers home and added their own bacon. That's just madness, people. That's fucking madness. Um, and the other thing that we like, complain about is, is they, uh, they kind of sucked ass on their, um, uh, like kiosk systems. I noticed it, where I live is a tourist town. And so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who don't speak English, you know, who are in here. And I can only imagine if I was a, if I was a, you know, a tourist from a, another land. Uh, that didn't speak the language and stuff. And, you know, I wanted, uh, a McDonald's hamburger, um, not having to worry about talking to a real human being and like seeing just a screen with the pictures and being able to choose the, the language and stuff, uh, would make it a million times, you know, easier. It, it would, it would push me over that edge to like buy McDonald's because they have that, um, Also, kiosks are proven in, like, ordering systems or everything. They are proven to be the upsell, like, golden tickets. It is so fucking easy to upsell someone whenever they don't have to deal with a person in front of them. Because, unfortunately, as human beings, we do care about wasting the time of the people we interact with. And that's terrible for a lot of retail and, and stuff, is that you can't have your customers like staring at the menu and feeling like pressured after a certain point, of course. But like, that's like the worst thing you can do is say, Hey, are you ready? Can we go? Um, because maybe they were, maybe, you know, they, they were going to get like a few more things, but now they're like, Oh, well shit, I got to like hurry up and pick something. And then you lose out on little extras, a little apple pie here, a little Sunday there gone, gone just because these stupid customers cared about your, your workers, um, uh, time. So, uh, that's the two things that I really had problems with. And thanks to this, um, awful, uh, virus, uh, one of those came true. The, um, online ordering systems and kiosk systems are like at like a hundred percent now um because of the virus and then the other one unfortunately is they have uh taken off um the uh I believe it's called an Angus Swiss bacon burger I hate to say this but it, whenever i had that burger like like a year ago it made me want to buy the stock because i cuz they actually changed CEOs at that time they got a younger CEO on and i thought like now they get it, <laughs> like because you know, your average like McDonald's hamburger is just simply out of date. It's not a it's not a bad product. It's a dated product. like the super thin patties, the white bread, um sesame seed bun for a long time, people love it, and that's like kind of the old fashioned like flavor that people like. But uh, it's just out of date, you know, consumers now, especially when it comes to a bun, let me give you a little secret on sandwiches and burgers and all that and like whatever you want to make that has meat and cheese between buns. It's the bun, baby. It is the, the bun does everything. Um, you know, if you have a nice like ciabatta, you can use, uh, whenever you make, whenever I make breakfast sandwiches, I mean, like I'll go, uh, and it's sad I do this for myself now. (laughs) The one thing that I'm, I'm really good at cooking and that's sort of my signature is breakfast food. I love breakfast foods, um, especially breakfast sandwiches, which are so easy to make. You know, uh, even though the only time I will really go to McDonald's and get something to eat is, like, usually to get, like, their breakfast uh, sandwiches, they're, they're like, piss easy to make at home. <laughs> like, it's the simplest thing ever. You crack an egg, you try to get it, like, in a somewhat patty shape, and then you just fry, like, a, you know, a piece of bacon or some sausage and put it between two pieces of bread. Ideally, an English muffin or a bagel or, in my case um if i want something super decadent is i go to this uh, little bakery down the street um la rosa bakery and uh i'll go in and uh i will get their one uh non sugary like uh spanish or mexican style pastry uh that is a uh, a croissant they 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 for some reason they make all this like pastries where they just like cover it in sugar and this is like, this might be a hot take though, might get me in trouble with some of my Latino fans. But you guys make such good food, except for uh, your desserts. I don't know uh, who told you that all you have to do is like take a piece of bread and sprinkle sugar on it. And then you can call that a pastry. It's not how it works, guys. <laughs> like you put the sugar into it. It's It's always so silly whenever I go like uh to my uh you know my my Mexican uh grocers and stuff around here which i love uh you know it's it's always nice to get, to go in there especially like like whenever they uh will cook some like chicken or some like ribs just they do it so well and it's always like i need to learn spanish cuz like there's sometimes where they'll, they'll they'll put a certain like spice on it and uh i can't like explain to them that this is the winner. like this is like where it's at like you have done this perfectly because you know they create everything to order and they kind of like like you know will uh put it like in like a in a little aluminum tray and then like you know put it so you can just pick it up for lunch and so it's like kind of a mixed bag some things will have a lot of seasoning some won't you know uh but there's there's like a certain time they'll like season with this red seasoning and i would like i tried to explain it to him i was like a rojo rojo the rojo seasoning and uh didn't quite understand but it sometimes still pops in so uh, i gotta learn spanish for that but you know when it comes to the, to the to the uh to the to the uh pastries i just don't get it i don't get why uh you know you got your churro that's pretty damn good and then they have some other things that are you know clearly just other styles of pastry that it decided to kind of throw in the mix but for some reason it's extremely popular uh with mexicans to have like baked bread that just has like a sticky like sugar like 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 a granular sugar coating to it maybe someone can explain this to me um i'd love to know more uh i not i'm not i'm and i'm saying this with peace and love peace and love in this country you're allowed to eat whatever kind of desserts you'd like whatever kind of bread and sugar combination i'm just i'm just surprised because it's it's just like a common thing. I just don't get it. And so back to my story, I, I whenever I go to this bakery, they usually have a lot of that kind of stuff. And then they make these croissants that are just like amazing because they're perfect for sandwiches. They're they're not as flaky and fall apart as a proper like French croissant. Um, they have just enough to hold them together and stuff that they make perfect sandwiches and they're kind of closed in the middle. And, uh, that's another thing I always like try to like explain to them. I'm like, it's the croissants. Like, like these are it. like make these damn it. Um, so I'll grab that and make a extremely decadent breakfast sandwich. Uh, but, uh, you know, breakfast, uh, when it comes back to McDonald's is probably like, you know, what I would say most millennials now and people my age, uh, still stick around for, um, you know, it's just great. Who doesn't love a fucking sausage and cheese on a, you know on a uh, on an english muffin it's just delicious everyone loves it i think it's also cuz it's just simple and uh it's you know whenever you eat something for breakfast you kind of trick yourself that it's okay to have a lot of calories right now cuz you're going to like burn it off man you're going to like run a marathon after this <laughs> so it's fine um fun fact too uh guess where the uh egg muffin was invented ready 3 two one Santa Barbara, California. It was invented in the Milpus location right here in Santa Barbara, California. So yeah, going back, I'm gonna get a little comfy in my chair here. Who gives a fuck? No none, none of you assholes are even listening to this show anymore. So I'm just gonna get comfy for a second. So like I was saying M- McDonald's uh you know ha you know is not a small underdog company. No, they're not and you know there are you know, and and I can see, you know, someone saying like, oh, well, I want to like eat, you know, at a local restaurant instead. Okay. That's sort of understandable. I'm going to explain a little bit also why that's kind of flawed. Um, but just as a company overall, let's go through it. First of all, they're an American company, you know, and maybe it doesn't fucking matter to you, but I I have a baseline sense of uh, patriotism for my country. And that's one of them. It's an American success story. It's a, it's a brand. It kicks so much ass that it's world well, it's known around the world. And that should give you a little bit of pride. And the second one, which I think is the most important, is that it gives so many people jobs. Um, you know, whenever you're on your iPhone and you're like, you know, uh, and you're enjoying your iPhone, iPhone that, that was built, you know, by people in sometimes uh, questionable circumstances across the country for very, very little amounts of money. Whenever you eat a, a Big Mac hamburger, that's created by someone in your community, whether you like it or not, that's created by a real person who lives really in your community and who is paid maybe not the biggest wage, but a decent amount of wage. And many people, you know, uh, use that job as a stepping stone to other things. You know, it's it's not a bad thing. That's like that's something that's always kind of been weird to me as people will like talk down so much about McDonald's whatever like it's it's at least giving a basic job how many of those jobs are left in this country how many jobs are left that someone with no experience can just jump on and make like a somewhat decent uh living without having to do a bunch of ridiculous like under the table freelance shits you know i think it's something worth like a little bit of respect and um you know Anytime I've gone to a McDonald's, especially post, uh, this, the, the Morgan Spurlock documentary, it has always been the cleanest, the nicest, the best customer service experiences. Maybe, maybe far, maybe not as good as Chick-fil-A, but you know, it's, uh, it, it, it means something to me to, to, to see like a really clean store and, uh, you know the people behind the behind the counter are in uh you know uniforms that aren't like silly and uh just like old like cooks and stuff i kind of like the idea that they that they have to wear like ties and shirts um i know they do that as uh you know to make the image kind of cleaner but it is like a it It is proven that what you wear is how you act. It's uh, like the clothes make the man in a way, you know, like if you do a job in a suit versus doing it in a t-shirt and jeans, like you will um, treat the one in a suit a lot better. You know, you will have that 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 you deserve to be there doing it. And maybe flipping burgers is not like a tie worthy kind of thing. And if you're a teenager, you really don't give a shit. But I think there's something um, to be said that, you know, you have a little pride in it. I've actually been watching a lot of, uh, McDonald's training videos and other, uh, fast food and customer customer service videos. Um, and it's, uh, and I got to say every, every time I've been to a McDonald's, especially the one that we have around here, it is like always perfectly clean and the nicest customer service as much nice as they can be. Like I said, unfortunately there are no Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A has that down, to a, to a T <laughs> not as good out here as it used to be in Texas. They, you know, with Chick-fil-A, if you, if you complain at all to them, not only will they pay for your whole meal, they'll give you like like a card to buy new food immediately. And they'll, they'll apologize. Like they just smacked you in the face. <laughs> like they, like they, they'll, they will like go above and beyond McDonald's will just give you a, a new cheeseburger if it comes down to it. And, uh, by the way, that brings up another kind of point I want to talk about, which is customer service in general. Uh, this is something to to remember if you ever, uh, you know, do a job or work for anyone or, 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 or especially if you're working with like kind of a lot of customers on a, on an in and out basis is that a uh, cost to acquisition is a big deal. Anytime you do a job, anytime you have a client, there is a cost, whether you like it or not to get them in the door and buying and staying, there is always going to be a cost. There's no free ride to this. Um, you know, whenever like the like 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 a, a perfect, you know, if you if you are running a restaurant, getting that that client in the door costs about a hundred and fifty times, 150% more than a returning customer who just likes it. Like it takes takes a lot. It takes advertising, it takes impressing them. And if you lose them, holy shit, if you lose a customer, um, unless you have some sort of huge monopoly, which if you're doing food or something, you don't, uh, it takes more than 150% to get them back. It's, 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 it's extremely expensive. Whatever costs you think you're saving as a uh, cashier or a store manager, because a customer is complaining about something and you just want to put your foot down and say, no, that's the way it is. And you're getting this goddamn cheeseburger. Like you said, it's you're you lose so much more and actually what what uh made me do really well uh at one of my first jobs I had uh which was uh working as a um cashier at a burger joint called OC burgers I got promoted very quickly uh because I I had a very simple policy that the customer gets whatever the hell they want to be happy no matter what um you know if a if a customer came to me and said oh I uh didn't know that this came on a burger or something I would say oh Well, uh, I'm sorry about that. How about I'm going to make you one so that you can, you know, if if you want to finish that burger in the store, that's fine, but I'm going to go ahead and, uh, make you a new one. You can take home later or something, or, oh, you got some kids with you. Would you, would your kids like some ice cream? I would just give them whatever and above and beyond. I'd, I'd give them fries and drinks to wait if they had something messed up. Um, I, I would do, I I would give them whatever I would pretty much treat the whole kitchen like it was mine at home. And, uh, the head, um, cook there would always get on my case about it and be like, oh, they, we got to, we have to count the inventory. And, you know, we're gonna have to explain to the owner about this missing inventory because he keep on giving it away. And, uh, guess what? One time I did talk to the owner of the place and I told him what I was doing. He said, you're absolutely right. You give them whatever they want. And as a matter of fact, here's a promotion because you're the only person here who understands that. That that as a as a business you lose a a pack of fries or something on a daily basis. It's called shrink. It just happens. Like it happens whether it's theft or someone taking it away or breaking a shipment. You're gonna lose some inventory. You're gonna crack a few eggs before you make an omelet. So it's not worth worth ever worrying about what what is what equates to like at most like ten dollars of a customer's order. Especially whenever you account in that cost of acquisition and keeping a client happy um it's you you have to do it i'm working on a a bid right now uh for one of my first jobs i've had in a while and it's costing me a lot it's already cost me like more money whenever i'm fucking broke to get this job and to keep it going and i even had a second where i was like typing out um it's like a my transportation request to get there and i was starting to kind of go through my bullshit of well, I don't have a car. I have an e-bike. So anything that's outside of Santa Barbara, it's got to be, you know, me renting a thing and oh well, if I rent it, maybe I need to do it this day. I went ahead and just put down the $70 for for a Turo car. I just did it. I decided while I was halfway riding that thing that this is a scare scary email to get from someone you're just about to hire. And said, fuck it, I'm going to pay the extra. And I'm going to, you know, I, I told him on the invoice that, you know, I'll split transportation costs because it's a little bit far away. I'm kind of scared to uh, knocking on wood because I, I got an, I got an electric car on Turo, which at first I was like, hell yeah, that's awesome. No, no cost for gas. Um, but it has an 84 mile range and where I need to go is 44 miles. Hey, Justin, that's plenty of, of space and you can charge up there and stuff. I hope so. I fucking hope so, so much. Like, I've never charged an electric car before, and uh, where I'm going is kind of rural. Rural? Rural a little bit. It's wine country in Santa Barbara. So there is a couple towns where, according to the goddamn internet, there are chargers and stuff that I can go to and use, but I'm just praying, God, don't put me in a scenario where I'm in the middle of fucking wine country with no batteries in my e butt in my e in my e car, that would not be very good. Uh, I might cancel it. I I have until I have until tomorrow morning to make the decision on whether I I want to go through with it. But the guy says it goes 84 miles each way, and that's what the manufacturer says. Uh, 44 is far less than 88, so I just oh I pray to God, sweet Jesus, that this is no. I just that's the last thing I need. Is to spend seventy dollars on a ride, and then I can't even get there. And I, but I've already planned ahead a lot for it. Uh, my my call time is eleven a.m., and I'm picking up the car at seven. So I'm going to drive that bad boy up to uh, Solvang, which is like about halfway, t- which is like a a little bit uh, closer than my destination. Santa Barbara's crazy whenever it comes to. Uh, It's terrain and stuff. As much as I like not having a car at all, it is a little bit irresponsible sometimes because of the fact that, like, I live between the oceans and, like, the mountains. Like, they're just – to get outside of this place, you have to get a car. You have to, like, you know, get something to move. And the way I've been justified, I've justified myself so far is that whenever I did have a car here, I just, I hate driving so much. And real estate is a big fucking deal when it comes to even parking in Santa Barbara. Um, Pretty much my, my story whenever I did have a car out here was that I would uh, get in trouble for it about once every two weeks because someone needed to park in a place. I needed to move it, and then I'd go and try to start up my car, and I wouldn't drive it so much that it actually, like, the battery would be dead. Then I got to fucking get my jumpstart kits and jumpstart a battery, all just to move it, like, to another block, and so as much as like I've gotten a lot of shit and from my family and stuff too, for not having a vehicle anymore, you have to understand that that's, that was my life. Was that like the occasional, like once every two to three months where I would really need a car to get somewhere, um, I can get a Turo ride for at, at worst $70, you know, uh, usually it's closer to like 30 bucks a day and I can rent a car. Or I can lift an Uber around. And so, like, if you calculate that all up, like, the cost of having the car, uh, the registration, the smog detection, all that kind of shit, it just made more sense not to have it. But I will say, in times like this, whenever I do a job that's, like, really cheap and I kind of need to count on, yeah, it does kind of (laughs) blow. Like, I'm, like... Like I'm 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 like legit worried about about something fucking happening. I have so many backup plans though in my head that I'm not even gonna describe because I dare not tempt the fates by telling what my plan B and C's are, but I do, damn it. I have B and C plans. And part of them involves getting this car really fucking early in the morning so that if anything happens, any bullshit goes on, I've got a credit card ready to go to Hertz and stuff and figure it out. Okay. I gave away one backup plan. Um, oh, yeah, I'm kind of worried. I haven't done, I haven't done a job in a while and a shoot in a while and I finally got one coming up. So I'm a little, a little bit panicked about it. Um, I did a, uh, last minute, uh, purchase of a bunch of shit that I might need off Amazon real quick. Um, totally not going to pull the old Amazon rental routine because that would be uh, ethically wrong. You know, you can't just buy things off Amazon and then use them for a job and then immediately return them for all the money. You can't, you can't do that, guys. You can't do that. You can't buy hundreds of dollars of photography and video equipment and then uh, use them for one gig and then return them all for money. You can't that, guys. That's just wrong. That's just totally wrong and unacceptable. Okay. <laughs> Amazon is a struggling small business, all right. You cannot mess with their profit margins like that but anyways back- back to uh mcdonald's um you know they they give people jobs, they create a product that people like, even though I do admit it's a little bit outdated and here's something else I'm gonna say that uh you might not like to hear you know you know those those cute small small business restaurants, right oh those mom and pops. Those 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 nice little mom and pop restaurants of, of you know just putting together a ragtag team of their family and friends to to build the American dream. Here's the truth, guys. Those restaurants are the first, usually not to pay you. It's sad, but it's true. It is those restaurants that you know are locally run and stuff, it's just a factor of economics. Whenever they run into an issue. Uh, you're getting fucking laid off. You know, I've heard so many fucking stories about not getting uh paychecks, you know, and all this kind of stuff that with a McDonald's, you don't have to worry about. So, like, they're just, you're going to get paid. It's, it's, it's already in there, you know, billions of dollars of revenue planned. So that's something to think about, you know, I, I, I have never heard a horror story of not getting paid from like a fast food chain but i've heard many many from little mom and pop shops and especially with those stores too they they end up like you know hiring like their family a lot of the times to run the place and that's cute and adorable and it's it's nice if it works out but i i have seen so many like terrible things go down whenever it comes to like putting your kids in your business just a good idea not to do it um something i've talked about my dad all the time is I'd rather just be your son, please. At all, at all costs, (laughs) you know, like, uh, I compared to being your son, I am like the shittiest employee you could ever hire. (laughs) You know, if you just compare that, like how good of a son I am to you to how good of an employee I could be. I'm like a terrible, like throw my resume away immediately employee (laughs) compared to a son. So that's something to think about too, is, you know, having a steady job is something that McDonald's can do. And, um, you know like i said i think that they just got a lot of uh negative feedback because of that stupid fucking morgan, morgan spurlock movie that everyone knows is is retarded like uh there's a great um spoof of this on the Whitest kids you know where where the guy just drinks whiskey for 30 days to see what happens obviously he didn't uh but it's the same thing with uh with the super size I me mean, it's like it's 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 an interesting concept I feel like it's, I feel like it's a concept that, um, as, as, as like kind of a cool, like, like a newspaper article experiment, it would be interesting, but to put this whole spin on it, that McDonald's are shitty people because they let people buy some more French fries is to me, just, uh, just, just an example of a very immature view of, of business and like money and speaking of custom reliability, um. Uh, that that sort of comes to the classic uh McDonald's uh hot coffee lawsuit. Liebeck versus McDonald's restaurants. I'm totally not reading the Wikipedia right now, guys. I actually have this insane like photographic memory of uh, of of case litigations with McDonald's. Um but <laughs> you know, th- this happened uh back in the back in the nineties. A sweet old lady got uh burned uh horribly um you know buy a uh buy a hot cup of coffee um which uh at the which um actually you know is is thought in the public sphere as being an example of frivolous lawsuits i mean come on coffee's hot right but in this case it it was important to do and uh you know because of the fact that the coffee that she had was actually like really fucking hot like it was um It was at 180 to 190 degrees Fahrenheit um, whenever like their maximum hot coffee taste should be 140. And the reason why they were keeping this coffee so hot was because that way they could hold the temperature and they could like make a pod and put it aside and it wouldn't, you know, because if you have cold coffee, you're, you know, it's uh, before someone gets burned. Sadly, a cold coffee costs the company a lot more money to have to reheat it or just lose the sale and stuff. So in this case, it actually was pretty fair that they got that you know that 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 there was a lawsuit and she got awarded and and McDonald's changed their policies. Um, but, uh, if this happened to, like, a mom-and-pop shop who just spilled some coffee on someone and burned them senselessly, there would probably be no collection. That's, that's kind of the flip side of this, you know, if you think of, like, an evil corporation and stuff. The evil corporation actually does have the cash to fucking do it. Um, you know, if this were to happen just in a diner or something, uh, especially, like, before, like, GoFundMe and stuff, they'd probably just go bankrupt, you know, just that's, they would just go bankrupt. And then... There's no one paying for the hospital bills and there's no more like work or anything in the, uh, in the diner. So, um, and, uh, you know, also speaking of some good things about McDonald's, like I said, I've been, I've been watching, uh, customer service videos, um, or uh, training videos for McDonald's. And they have this training video uh, that is like way too smart and like way <laughs> to, to be a corporate training video. Corporate training videos crack me up, by the way. If you ever. want to like laugh at some stuff look up like old 80s and 90s commercials it's just great like the overacting that's something that like you know with my own career in video production that used to be like the only thing that we could do besides like tv shows and stuff was make training videos i remember being in high school the early 2000s and that was it it was like oh well maybe you can get it work on a tv show or you can fucking make a training video for albertsons (laughs) because before the days of uh of YouTube production, um, shooting anything was expensive and took a lot of time and money to do. Like they're just you could not physically half-ass it. Like you those the video cameras just suck so much ass that you had to use a lot of lights. Um, the medium itself was expensive. And uh and the editing, the editing was so primitive. It's like crazy. Whenever I like tell younger people about how I started video editing, bruh, we straight up had two VCRs. (laughs) We had a fucking VCR playing and then a VCR hitting the record on and off. Um, yes, that, that like it, it, it was a step above like cutting it with scissors and putting it together, but that's how it had to be done. And that was considered high tech video editing. Um, You know, if you had like the machines to add graphics and stuff, like, you know, now you add text to a video, it's like no big deal. Um, But I remember even like learning video production, uh, like I said, like kind of in the early 2000s and like we had like a whole goddamn dedicated computer, like just to add crappy 1980s, 90s text on top of things. Um, It was really fun. Actually, that now that I think about it, like it was it was like a middle school class I had way back when. That got me into video production because just no one wanted to touch it. I remember it was like this little booth that uh had just all these old computers and like video cameras and like it had like straight up like just like a manual <laughs> like a like a bound manual on like how to do, how to make videos and do video production and uh at the time it was in a shop class with that was run by a coach, so it was already like two 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 educators like out of sync <laughs> with this uh with this curriculum. Like this coach could barely teach shop class and uh sure as hell didn't know how to like do video production. So I remember it was just a uh a like a uh spiral bound notebook that you just opened and you just you just did it all yourself. And like and there was a there was a rudimentary grading system that basically just said, Did you read the whole thing and finish it? it well congratulations, you get a uh, A. <laughs> so I remember doing that and that was fun. Um but yeah, these training videos are just super cool and cute. And, um, they, they put a lot of work into it for this McDonald's one. Michael fucking Jordan is in it. He starts it out and he's like playing ba- basketball and, and, you know, just like the typical, like nineties, you know, uh, the skills I have in the field are a lot like the skills that you'll have behind the register, <laughs> like trying to bring them together. And it's a, uh, it was actually a very cute, um, uh, training video because it's, the training video is, uh, framed around being a behind the scenes of a training video being made. It's some crazy meta shits that I don't know, uh, if a, uh, minimum wage McDonald's applicant could really appreciate, <laughs> like, because it's, it's a, it's a director directing the training video. And then like, there's moments like, uh, where he goes, okay, and action. And then the the cashier uh, behind the register that's being filmed goes, welcome McDonald's, how can I take your order? And then this producer next to him goes, cut, cut, cut. Can we make that a little more realistic? That just sounds a little too scripted. And uh, the producer happens to be like a McDonald's education person. And uh, they make a whole great point that you don't have to sound like you're reading off a script. You can ask people how their day's been. You can, you know, you don't have to be a fucking robot to take care of things as a McDonald's worker. And uh, this is kind of a ridiculous episode, huh? I <laughs> uh, hope it's making you hungry. And I hope that you buy lots and lots of McDonald's. Um, but uh, it just, it was, it was cute that it was put together that way. And uh, it actually had a great message about how, you know, the customer is number one. There is a uh, point in the in the video where this like obviously pissed off old white guys and there is in the, the drive through and he asks, you know, to get some change back. He has 15 cents back. They dropped the change on the street. Oh, my God. And this happened to me all the time uh, whenever I was running the the drive through. But I never thought about uh, or, or um, like like like. This happened to me in the drive-thru a lot, and I came up with this, like, myself, but uh, if you're ever in that situation, like, all you have to do is just give them the fucking 15 cents out of the register and then have someone sweep the outside afterwards. It's all in cameras anyways. Like, you know, they're not going to, like, fucking lock you up for taking an extra 15 cents out of the change jar. It actually reminds me of a bizarre situation I had whenever I uh, was 16- Working at Albertson's. I used to be an Albertson's bag boy. And I would uh, occasionally push the groceries out to the customer's car. And sometimes they'd, they'd toss me a little, a little dollar. I'm not going to lie. there's This is way past uh, the statute of limitations. So I'm going to admit right here, right now. We were not allowed to take tips. But, you know, sometimes I'd take that little buck. I'd put it right in my pocket and I'd say, oh, yeah, there you go. Thanks a lot, Miss Smith. Have a nice day. And I'd put that in my pocket. And then I'd go take my 15-minute break and smoke half a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> I, was, I was an early smoker. I was smoking cigarettes since I was 15 years old. And back in those days, a kid having a cigarette outside of his place of business was part of being a fucking working adult, okay? <laughs> it came with the territory. My... My manager Oscar. Oh shit, his name isn't Oscar. Statue of Limitations, guys. Uh my manager didn't give a fuck about that as long as I got my job done and uh you know I came to work on time. He was very very kind. I could spend every break outside in the parking lot just smoking away. Just smoking my my Camel cigarettes that I got my older classmates to buy for me. <laughs> I even got busted one time for it by the store manager or the, uh, assistant store director, some shit, some sort of hierarchy, weird guy who was just an asshole to me. Um, and my store manager who shall go by the name. O. uh, and, uh, I remember him like, I hear him like yelling. He's like, I see that kid outside smoking all the time. It's like, uh, what a fucking narc. (laughs) But, uh, during that job, um, One time, uh, you know, I I would deal with, like, crazy uh, customers all the time. It's just just weird whenever you're, like, working in customer service or retail or a restaurant to, like, see how some people, like, treat strangers and stuff. You know, I would hope that most people are like me and people I care about where we can, like, empathize, empathize, empathize with uh, people who aren't us. Kind of a basic skill that... Most people learn whenever they're like seven years old that the world doesn't revolve around you. And, uh, sometimes life has minor inconveniences that, uh, you can deal with on a sliding scale. You know, there's uh like, you know, for example, um, you know, you get shortchanged a dollar, you can, you know, uh, complain, maybe write a letter. Um, it's not as bad as if, you know, someone is like uh, fucking your wife. <laughs> like there's, there's big difference, uh, you know, consequences and reactions to, uh, problems that inevitably incur in the real life, uh, dealings of, uh, of the world. And, uh, I remember one of these was this old lady who, uh, just uh, that this time I was, I was upgraded to a, uh, to, I think, no, I was still a bag boy. Um, but, uh, this, uh, this lady came up to me and said, I need to speak to your manager. I was like, what? Uh, what's, what's, what seems to be the problem? She's like, well, um, I was at the self-checkout machine and it didn't give me back uh, all of my change. I'm still missing a nickel. And I reached in my fucking pocket and pulled out a nickel and gave it to her. I didn't know any better. I wasn't trying to make a point or anything. But in my head, even at like 16 years old, I was like, okay, upset customer, a fucking nickel. <laughs> like I can give this person a nickel. I'm sure I can write out a whole long statement to the company later that they will uh, maybe in a year or so reimburse me this nickel. <laughs> and I just gave her the nickel and uh, I just remember immediately she was like, well, like not yours though. I just, I, I don't want yours. And I was like, don't worry about it, ma'am. Consider it my gift to you. <laughs> and that was it. There's a lot of weird moments that working there remember one, one of the guys who trained me, uh, really loved big boobs and he was like Jamaican or something. And he just like, just add an, just no matter what I'm, I'm working on, he would just be like, he would come to me like, like seriously, like I like fucked something up, be, like just, 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 and then just like point to his, like to his imaginary jugs. He's like, uh, take a look over there (laughs) and there be some poor lady who happened to have big boobs (laughs) and I would have to be like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I would like to do things with those. You're right. Wouldn't mind it. You're I'm glad we're on the same page here, grown man and my teenage (laughs) teenager. I'm glad we can both talk about, uh, women's breasts together. And that's not weird at all. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that was, that's kind of my experience with, uh, retail and, um, customer service. And, you know, like I said, if I say at the end of the day, no matter what, you know, job you have or something, remember customer acquisition is expensive. Remember retaining customers is fucking expensive and just give them whatever the hell they want. Just. Just give it to them. You can give it to them. Just give it to them. Um, you know, if they're ripping you off, then uh, you can get rid of them because that's that's like a, it's a good test. too. I, I found that as well as something that's worth being said. Um, if you're ever afraid that you're being like uh, too generous with your clients, fucking get rid of them. If you, if you think that that you're being taken advantage of for your generosity, then you don't deserve to have them. They don't deserve to have you um, working with them. You know, that's something that's taken me a long time to realize is that while the customer is always right, you don't have to have every customer. <laughs> you can pick your customers and, uh, the ones that show you respect, you can hold on to it's a two way street. You know, you can pick who comes in the door or not. Whenever I was, uh, working as a bag boy I remember going to a uh, mechanic and this is whenever I was first starting to get my, uh, sort of first started to get my entrepreneurial like spirit about things. And I told him I wanted to, uh, in exchange for some car repair work that I could help make him some ads on this crazy new thing called the internet. I could help him with some like website ads and stuff to get more business. And he straight up told me, he's like, I don't really want that much business. And at the time I was like, this guy's just a straight up asshole. I remember for years of thinking like, what a fucking dick thing to say. Uh, but he actually was absolutely right. Is that sometimes you don't need every single customer on earth you can pick and choose. It's a free country as long as they are not of a minority or uh, protected, like sexuality status or something something like that. Um, you can uh, choose who you do business with. So uh, that's my defense of McDonald's. ba da ba ba
2: Hi. I've got something very new and special that I'd really like for you to see. It's a video about satisfying the customer called Doing Whatever It Takes. Now, you're probably wondering, what does Michael Jordan know about satisfying the customer? Well, let me tell you, when I step onto the basketball court, those 18,000 screaming people aren't just fans. They are my customers. They want to see more than just a basketball game. They expect to see a show. No matter what kind of day I've had, when I put on that uniform, my customers expect behind-the-back passes, long three-pointers, or great slam dunks. It's my job to deliver it, and I love it. When you put on your McDonald's uniform, your customers want more than just quick service with a smile. They expect to be treated as a guest in your home. And if you hadn't had the greatest of days, it's up to you to put on a show and do whatever it takes to satisfy your customer. The video you're about to see will show you the difference between good service and great personalized service we all must give our customers. And it will take you behind the scenes to show you how your video is actually made. So let's see what it means to satisfy your customers by doing whatever it takes.
1: All right so whatever whatever else are we gonna talk about here um, people like whenever I seem to talk about movies and stuff, so I'm gonna talk about a uh um a movie i just i've i have just seen i'm gonna talk about two movies that I've seen actually. why the hell not um, first one is of course scarface the nineteen eighty three version. Um, you can really tell in that movie that there was like a lot of care and love behind it. Um, you know, it's an Oliver Stone flick, um, Al Pacino. I frankly think that his, his, uh, his acting is good, but his accent is kind of weird. Like I just don't really get it. Scarface 1983 is an interesting movie because the first Scarface that was made in the thirties, um, was just as violent by 30 standards and stuff, but they had to like tie it together and uh, basically make the cops the good guys at the end. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 supposed to be a story um, about like how, uh, you know, drinking and prohibition and all this shits and, and speakeasies are no good. And if you do them, you're going to end up getting fucking Tommy gunned and shot down by the cops. And it's just not worth it. As a matter of fact, the film was uh, known as Scarface, the shame of the nation in 1932 to really drive that home that point home mostly to film censors that what you're watching is a bad story it's not something to be emulated and enjoyed um and then the 80s come along and uh they of course it, there's no longer those big rules of the film censors and stuff and so scarface is shot with the opposite basically idea in scarface there are no good people um even the police and the bankers are bad guys, arguably worse guys than uh, Al Pacino's character and stuff. It also has one of my favorite lines in that movie. It's been like parodied a lot with uh, Sosa, the uh, the Colombian, the the tall white Colombian uh, drug dealer, and he goes, "I only say this once, Tony. Don't you fuck me. Don't you ever try and fuck me." Just love that line there's a similar line in Requiem to a Dream where the deaf guy goes, you fuck me, I fuck you. Um, he says it in a deaf person's tone, which uh, I do not have the balls to do <laughs> in a non-mean uh, way. So just, you will have to imagine what that sounds like. That movie is, it's it's interesting uh, because it's, it, like I said, it, it takes like the idea of like the good and the bad guys and sort of mixes it together. I think in a way there's a statement behind that, like that, that it's not quite as black and white. Um... And a uh, and and it's also behind that cool like you know 1980s Miami uh, backdrop. It's got a awesome score by Giorgio Moroder, who is an awesome uh, you know uh, synthesizer player, like world known, probably the Jimi Hendrix of the synthesizer. It also has Michelle Pfeiffer in it, which looks like very different. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff. I guess, but um, she's just so young in that. I think that's, that's like one of her like first like big breakout roles. Um, like I said, I think that the the movie uh, is great because it's it's super violent. It has like it, it talks a lot about you know the. Uh, excesses of things about, you know, the corruption that comes with running any sort of business and being e- e- an egomaniacal maniac. And really the the interesting part of it is that if it just wasn't fucking cocaine, if it was, like, if cocaine was just legal, then he'd be a legit businessman, you know, and would be uh, lauded as another, like, you know, um, as as another, like, Mark Zuckerberg or uh, or um, Jeff Bezos. But it had to be cocaine. And uh, also, a lot of people forget that um, in that movie, uh, Al Pacino, uh, or Scarface, I mean, Tony Montana, that is, is a vapid, is is a very strong anti-communist. It's one of his big things, is that he fucking hates those commies in uh, Cuba. And uh, one of the first things he does in the movie is he murders a uh, communist, like intellectual or something, and he just does it for fun, full man. Um, so... Interesting story. Interesting, interesting movie. Uh, also, fun fact, Scarface was shot in Montecito, California, which for uh, my non-Santa Barbara uh, people, that is a small little suburb of uh, Santa Barbara. And by small suburb, I mean, it's probably the most wealthiest place in the fucking world. <laughs> it's where Oprah lives and all the other celebrities and uh, these, the house that... Uh Tony Montana lives in is uh even though it's set in Miami, it's uh, the whole movie was shot in Los Angeles. And uh that scene, the outside scenes of the mansion is in Montecito. And if you have a few grand to tour the place, uh and you or you can like I guess prove a credit check that you might want to buy it because it is for sale right now, you can go check it out right down the block from me. So in the other so the other movie I saw, um, another uh earlier flick. My ex girlfriend had a problem where she could not watch movies made before like the year like 2005. So fucking lame. There's so many good movies out there. That's like, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. I don't think she's alone either. I think she's just, I think she's one of the few people who had the, thankfully had the courage to say that. Cause I, I've had that feeling with a lot of other people where if you bring up any sort of movie like before like the year like 2000 or something, um, it better be like a fucking classic. Cause they just, they just don't. You just don't care. And that's sad. Okay. Imagine if you were to say like the same thing with music that any, any music made before the two thousands is like not worth listening to. It's out of date and stuff. Just deal with it. Yes. The special effects are not going to be as good. Okay. There's going to be a lot of stop motion and stuff like that. But uh, just fucking deal with it. There's not gonna be those dumb spinning shots that they always have in Bad Boys <laughs> where they have the, the where they to put the guy on the pedestal and they rotate the camera around them. You know what I'm talking about? It's, they fucking have in everything that's like usually Bad Boys related. Um, they don't have that. You just have to deal with it. You have to just, you have to use what, uh, what people who read books call their imagination and uh, suspend your disbelief and like them. But another sort of older movie. Which has a which has a terrible remake, which you should avoid at all costs, is total friggin' recall. Total recall with uh Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, which was actually uh a little fact that people don't know is that that, that movie was pushed by Arnold kind of more than anyone else. Uh Whenever RoboCop came out, um, uh, Paul Ver- Verhoeven, who's the uh, who's a who's the director of it, um, he met uh, Arnold, and Arnold was like, "I love how you make movies. Like you make movies exactly what I want to be a part of. Like with the style and the action and like the sort of intelligence behind it." And he just he really really pushed Recall like hard. He's like, "Like this is this is it. He's like, this is a movie that is a great action vehicle for me." Um, it's very intelligent and smart and it's like, has a cool setting cause it's set in the future with Mars and stuff. So it's like a win-win. So we really, really pushed to do it. And thankfully that was prime Arnold Schwarzenegger day. So whatever the fuck Arnold says they did. <laughs> so once he, w- once he was like already put himself like on board, like I'm in this movie, they started making it, um, And a lot like The Matrix, you know, as a matter of fact, The Matrix is inspired by it in more ways than one. One obvious way that The Matrix is inspired by the movie is The Red Pill. Believe it or not, The Red Pill uh, came out in a a sci-fi film uh, before The Matrix, and that was in the movie Total Recall, which is the scene Where uh, he finally makes it on Mars, and he uh, is in his hotel room, and he's stopped uh, by his, uh, he gets a knock on the door, and it's the uh, founder of Recall, who you see in the TV ad at the beginning, comes in and uh, explains to Arnold that it's all a dream, explains it to him that it's all a dream, and that if he doesn't get a hold of himself and come with him to leave like the memory or the simulation or whatever, that he's going to, like, go into, like, a a catatonic, like, psychosis, and he's going to become lobotomized in the real world. And the only way to prove that he wants to leave the uh, real world is to take the red pill as a sign that he's willing to play along. And uh, as soon as he puts the red pill in his mouth, he has a gun to this guy's head, and he says, If I shoot you here, then it shouldn't matter, because we're in a dream. And uh, the guy goes, well, if you do that, the walls will come crashing down and there will be no escape from this like a uh, memory that you're created for yourself. Um, so while uh, he has the, the pill in his mouth, like uh, this guy who's telling him that he's going to take him out of the dreams uh, has like a bead of sweat falls down his face. And then that gives uh, Arnold the hint or should I say Quaid? That indeed, um it's real, because why is this guy scared, and so he shoots him in the head, and then his his wife, who's like with him and trying to explain that um he, she's there also to help him, goes, "Oh, now you've done it, and uh guess what happens after he shoots him? The walls literally come crashing down, <laughs> and uh everything he said happens like literally the walls come down now, not like in a weird like trippy matrix way, like just an action movie. Um with guys with guns start kicking it down and stuff uh but it does happen it happens exactly like they said, and that's that's what that's what really I love about Total recall is beyond like the action movie uh, it's very very smart and they they keep the um they keep the ambiguity of whether it's a dream or not so well like they're like i i've I've watched it a few times now, and i'm like now whenever I watch it, I'm always looking for whatever clues I can find that it's real or a dream. And what I've come up with is that there's there's a couple that are very obvious that um that 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 could go kind of either way. I think the I think like the big the 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 two like really big evidence that it is in a dream is uh the the blue skies on Mars that he says it before he puts in the thing, and then also how uh, how they came up with the the woman because he like describes the woman down to her personality, says that, you know, that she's, like, uh, frisky or whatever, and then, or um, kind of lewd. I forgot the right word, but she he basically describes her that she's, like, smart and intelligent, but she's, like, kind of dirty. Um, so whenever they first meet, uh, she grabs his wiener. It's the first thing that she does is grabs his dick. Um, that's a weird coincidence to have, and they look exactly the same from the TV screen. But that can be written off As the fact that in the beginning of the movie, he has a dream about the same woman. And that's actually one of the reasons that convinces him that he's not in a dream is because he actually has a dream before. But as the as the founder of recall says, that's fucking ridiculous, Arnold, (laughs) because you're trying to prove that you're not in a dream by by quoting a dream. Um, And uh, and like I said, there's, you know, just because it's set in an action movie you can kind of write off all the coincidences as that's just how a movie works or you can say that it's a dream and whenever it ends it cuts to white uh but there's evidence on kind of all sides that it it could be real another big a big part of the like uh, or at least the justification that it is all real is because if it wasn't it would be a very dissatisfying ending and also it would mean that uh arnold schwarzenegger's character um you know is That Arnold Schwarzenegger's character um, is lobotomized. But I will say myself, I think I've leaned more towards a dream. And that is because of the woman, like I said. Another one is the wife situation, okay? Like, all right, so he has Sharon Stone as a wife... Um, and my question always, if you don't have seen the movie, basically Sharon Stone is his wife, and she does that kind of fucking weird at the beginning of the movie, so that does lead cre- credence towards that she actually is, like, a secret agent this part of it, and, uh, but, okay, so, like, the, the the story is that this woman is actually the husband of the main antagonist in the movie, and is there pretending to be Arnold's wife. And the question is, like, how long has she been doing that? And what kind of fucking crime lord puts their own daughter to be boned by Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> like, who who would do that? They even they even joke about it in the movie. They're like, oh, well, you think that, you know, she liked, you know, boning him? Um, whether she liked it or not, that's fucking weird. Like, you would think they could just find any other woman, <laughs> like, who wasn't his wife to put in that scenario but okay um and uh you know also like with the work situation like she she explains that it's all a memory except the job so uh so so they say that like and like they like said these are my evidence that it is a dream is that they say that that everything is fake like like the marriage is fake it's all you know memories except the job the job he has is real if you don't remember, his job in the movie is a physical laborer in the future. <laughs> He's like, like literally like moving heavy shit around and stuff and somehow has like an awesome apartment and uh, lives a, a like upper middle class life where he can take vacations and stuff. I don't think there is going to be any sort of like manual labor of that nature in the future. So that, that part always kind of throws me off. But you know, it could be a dream, it could be real, or it could just be a movie. But it's just—it's a very interesting uh, sci-fi uh, film. Um, one of the uh, first kind of quote-unquote mindfuck sci-fi's, I think. I think it's what I think, I think it was a good a good movie for the history of sci-fi cinema because it proved that audiences can kind of appreciate that. I think they were careful in that movie to make it still just kind of a cool action movie a lot like the matrix did now that i think about it but still had like this very fun um philosophical idea behind it um so that's that's uh that those are my two recommendations for movies to see if you are bored right now and still in this terrible quarantine is uh, scarface 1983 and uh total recall I knew that could be a sound of the future, but I didn't realize how much the impact would be. My name is Giovanni
2: Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio.
1: So with that, I'm going to wrap up this short uh, episode. I'm going to be back on next week. i going to be thinking about how I can get this word out here. Uh, I've even been considering making a second podcast. I know that's insane, right? I barely want to make one. But uh, something that I've noticed is that my most popular episode is sadly the least funny—the <laughs> "How to Be Poor" episode where I talk about postmodernism and like literature and shit. Um, and free will. It turns out that people like like to hear that from me more than my silly jokes. And the truth is is that if I made a podcast just um, kind of about philosophy and, like, history, which are things that I love, too, I wouldn't have to make it such a a secret hush-hush thing. I could, could, you know, advertise it and shit. So we'll see. Um, Still want to keep this show for sure as long as I can. But I may branch off and make a second podcast. Maybe not soon, but I'm thinking about it. As always, if you want to learn more about me, come see me at Facebook, Lower Expectation email me lower at gmail.com and you can find me on the Instagram lower expectation podcast. And if you want to help out this show um, and it doesn't involve money or some sort of like cool government grant, uh, just give it a like go on your iTunes, give it a little five stars for me, subscribe, tell your friends about it give me a call and tell me that I'm not wasting my time and that this is actually somewhat entertaining for you. It would really help me! So with that, have a great rest of your week. But before you go... Get off you! You blew my cover! Can't
0: do a simple
2: goddamn double implant. Or... It's not my fault. We got a memory cap. they I'll be here any minute. They kill you all. What the hell he talking about? I don't know. Let me go! Oh. Mr. Quaid, try to calm down! Uh, 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 my uh, name is
0: not Quaid.
2: You I'm timing now. I'm
0: timing! Hold it down,
2: Quaid! Let me go! Now. Uh,
1: Son of a bitch.